You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. Yaz Rana has been rested and slash all rotated, so you have to make do with me as your host. And I'm joined by former England batsman Mark Butcher, WCM Editor-in-Chief Phil Walker and Wisdom.com Feature Editor Taha Hashim to preview the England-New Zealand tests and look back on another brilliant round of the county championship as well as the start of the Rachel Hayhoe Flint trophy. We're going to start with a question from one of our listeners. Freddie Waterland asked, if Joe Root has a poor series... England's had a chance of beating New Zealand and Butch my question to you is Root has 20 test hundreds the rest of the squad has Evans between them I think when was the last time England's batting lineup was so dependent on one player <laughs> slim pickings yeah. uh, blimey no I can't well I can't I can't think of one I mean look England are, England are a long way shy of what their their number one 11 would be in this game um, you might have mentioned that before Mark. Do you think I have? <laughs> um, so no, I can't remember. I cannot remember. I cannot remember a time when you kind of, uh, when particularly going into the first Test match of the summer, um, and you know have a uh, what should actually be a very very exciting moment. There's going to be crowds back in. Brilliant um, New Zealand side who are in the you know <laughs> they're doing their warm up for uh, for an important game, um, and England with with it all to prove after a tough winter. And yet it seems to be very, very low key. And, mm. you know, those numbers and those, you know, stats in terms of um, the, the, the batting lineup tend to reflect that. However, I suppose if you look at it in a slightly different way, you know, Crawley, Sibley, Burns have all got plenty to prove after a tough winter. Zach Crawley, exciting young player last time he played in, in, in England, um, you know, in front of nobody, he played one of the best innings you're likely to see. It might not, not have been the very last time, but it was pretty close. Um, and, you know, Ollie Pope, fantastic young player. James Bracey looks like he's going to make a debut. There's, you know, there's lots to be excited about. It's just, in terms of experience, you would imagine that the Kiwis, um, given a, a fair wind and a bit of cloud cover, might make it, it a easy work of England if Joe Root doesn't um, find his boots straight away. 
Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I feel like I'm about as enthusiastic as cricket fans come. Mm, and, uh, I go with it. Yeah, and, uh, and even I'm struggling a little bit to get up for this series. It sort of feels like England even don't hugely mind if they win or not. Maybe that's a bit too harsh, but, but, they're, but they're not picking their strongest team and almost deliberately so, and it's just a warm-up for New Zealand. And then even with the selection debates, if England pick Overton over Robinson tomorrow, say... I don't feel like that tells you anything about which of the two they think is better. So there's only limited fun to be had there. Uh, is that? Do, do you agree with that, Phil? Are you, are you not as excited as you otherwise would be for the first sort of that Lord's hum and the first? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm jaded at the best of times. Um, <laughs> well, it, it's hard to shake the sense that this is this is a test trial, or that certainly in brackets on the on the Lord's poster tomorrow. England, New Zealand, first test match of the summer, brackets, it's a, it's a test trial. It feels very individualised. Mm. And I say that because even if it's a good game, even if it's a humdinger, there's so little riding on it contextually that we can walk away from Lords feeling, you know, exhilarated by the game. But it, it, there's no great, grander context to it. So then you end up watching the individuals, you watch, you watch the players, and as Mark says, there's a number of England players in, in this side that are either debuting or home debuting or trying to resurrect their career or trying to hold on to the, to the, the start still of their career, still a nascent career for many of them. And so it's hard to shake that sense that the big stuff comes in a month or so and you want to try and get into that squad for the first test match against, uh, against India and then after that, the test match summer is on. But until then, it's a, it's, a, it's a peculiar thing. We're going into the first test match, a Lord's test match of an English summer. And you can't quite shake that sense that there is something, there's an artifice to it. There's something else going on. New Zealand, they'll want to win the game. Um, of course they will. So will England. But if you're, if you're Southie, for example, or Jameson, and you're in your second or third spell in the second innings, you, you wouldn't be human if you didn't have half an eye on that, on that World Champs test match in, in two or three weeks' time. So there is, there is a peculiar absence of jeopardy and, and dramatic tension, I think, in this particular game. That said, in the end, a game always threatens to break out. And as, as Mark rightly said a couple of weeks ago, a test match is a self-contained thing in and of itself. And I wouldn't be surprised if for all of the sense of it being low-key still something memorable can break out because that is the beauty uh, and, and the kind of the, the, the enigmatic element of a test match. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still really excited. I mean, the, what? Just looking, yeah, I am. I mean, if you look at the England team, so young, I mean, you know, there's still, <laughs> there's still a lot of great storylines in there. You know, you've got the, the top order who like, we're all sort of averaging thirties. have still got so much to prove, you know, Sibley hasn't had much of a county season. Burns is, you know, technically he's out of the team. He's coming back into the team. He was dropped in India. That's no, true, yeah. Crawley's struggled himself and not really repl- you know, replicated what happened last summer over the winter. Um, and then Lawrence is playing, will be playing his first home test. You know, Pope, we've still got, still got a lot to see come from Ollie Pope. But these um, are all individual stories, aren't they? Yeah. And contained individual stories. Yeah. Not, generally with a test match, there is the broader narrative of the result yeah. and the, the series story unfolding. Yeah. In this instance, especially with a two-tester, yeah. there's not really that, that grander narrative at play. I'm just digging deep for positives because of your cynicism, you know. So. <laughs> I see. Uh, I I see. Fair play. I got a, fair play. <laughs> <laughs>
That's a nice cheery start to the show. Anyway, uh, <laughs> as as Taha I mean, I can't wait to see see Dan back. Obviously, Dan well, exactly. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Jameson. At the, you know, mm. roaring in at the yeah. pavilion end. There's there's all kinds of things. That's why I was so damn annoyed last week at the way that that it's been relegated before we've even begun. Now, what what we hope is there are a lot of entertainers in both these teams. As you say, the players kind of rise to the occasion and, and drag the rest of us out of our out of our torpor, and that might well happen. England, England, New Zealand often does. Could you just go back to your original question as well on Root, um, who I haven't really thought about him so much actually in the build-up because it's the support acts that we're talking of. But mm. but Root himself, if you take the captaincy element away from him, uh, he he had a he was batting on a different level. Butch was out there. He saw him in India. He was batting on a different plane to everybody else. Uh, and that began in January in Sri Lanka, and that may well run through. And so you have this this sub narrative of Root's own personal quest to become, you know, the, the greatest English batsman out there, the most prolific batsman out there. Uh, and he obviously loves batting there. He he's actually New Zealand at Lords for Root is quite a significant fixture. Mm. Um, he and Stokes went out there and changed the complexion of the England side in 20, 2015 in the build-up to that great summer when Australia came over here and, and so on and so on. So it's a significant fixture for him. He obviously loves batting at Lords. He's made Ashes hundreds there. He's made double hundreds there against Sri Lanka and so on. So it's a big, big game for him, again, in, on an individual basis. Uh, and when all said and done... We can all get behind the root story because, you know, it, it remains so tantalising to, to English cricket fans. How far can he go? How, how grand a player can he end up as? Uh, so whatever happens over the next few days, there's so many of these little stories and hopefully they will all end up tying themselves up around one another and then we'll end up with a, with a satisfactory narrative at the end of it. And uh, just finally, I guess, on what's happening, there's a ceremonial element to it. They'll have, what, four and a half? thousand fans in something like that 25 percent so maybe a few more than that even and then next week edgbaston 70 percent capacity as a pilot event hopefully it goes ahead uh so this game feels as much a kind of symbolic game of cricket as an actual blood and thunder kind of you know spit and sawdust kind of game as well you know and the fact that the weather looks to be set fair lords will be doing its thing that's 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 enough of an event in and of itself, I think. Yeah, as, as Taha mentioned, uh, Darren Lawrence's home debut. And Phil, you've been saving up a couple of anecdotes, especially for this occasion. Oh, right. Yeah, well, I was, um, I was at Chelmsford this morning um, talking to Tom Wesley and he got a phone call about, it was before nine o'clock, from, from Daniel, who is, of course, with England at the minute, 24 hours before his home debut. And he phones him up and he says, uh, Governor, um, there's a bed being delivered now, Dan Lawrence lives with Wesley at the minute because he's getting renovations done around his house. And he's decided in his genius the day before his home debut at Lord's to send a full four-poster to Tom Wesley's house. But of course, there's no one there. Tom Wesley's got a job to do. Tom Wesley's wife or partner has a job to do as well. So basically, Dan Lawrence, in his genius, less than 24 hours before his home debut, is sending, sending a whole Ikea top to bottom to, to Tom Wesley's house what the hell are they going to do with it how he's going to get it to his own house when that's sorted out a week or two later but this is the kind of bloke that, that you're dealing with Lawrence the, the other story which I mentioned earlier to you when Essex won the double they, they spent the afternoon showing the, the trophies around the Olympic Stadium when West Ham were playing at half time you know 
keep it in the family around Essex Way and all of that. Lawrence turned up, wanted to get a beer from the from the pub or from the bar there, and the girl behind the bar said, "Well, do you have any ID, sir?" And he said, "Ah, oh, uh, no, 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 I left it home." And he goes, "Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a minute." Got his phone out, got his Crick Info profile up. Showed the picture, showed the date, and got himself a beer. <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of kid that you're dealing with here. This is why he is irresistible. If the he gets, if he gets a few tomorrow or this week, then the cat is out the bag, you know. And he can very, very easily be quite a lovable figure in English cricket. People don't quite know yet. He got a few away from home, but a lot of people wouldn't have seen that. Now the eyes will be will be on him, you know, and he's got a job to do. Um, you, you can't deny your true nature, and, and as much as he probably likes to keep it on the straight and narrow, these stories just follow him around. Uh, Ollie Robinson also looks looks a good bet to play. I'm not sure if you caught his uh, his press conference, but it was no. reasonably punchy for a, a guy yet to make his debut. He was talking basically about how he was going to work out Kane Williamson, uh, sort of uh, big call, pulling him across the crease and then dying one back in. I think was the plan. Has he uh, actually said that? Yeah, yeah. What's, what's uh, that Mike Tyson line? Everyone's got a plan until they get smashed in the mouth. Yeah. I'm not saying Kay Williams, Williamson is Mike Tyson, but until you know what I'm down, saying. Down to third man. That's quite a call. Good luck to him, but yeah, mm. he might be setting himself up a little bit there. But I mean, he's obviously he's clearly bowling bloody well, as is, as is his competition for a place, um, Craig Overton. Ro- Robinson spoke to Wizard Cricket Monthly Magazine editor Joe Harmon for the upcoming issue of the mag. Uh, here's a snippet from that chat. I spoke to Ben Brown a couple of days ago. He's obviously seen a lot of you over over the last few years. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a cliche when it comes to, to seamers, but he, he did say that the extra yard of pace that you put on has, has made all the difference over the last couple of years, adding to the, the skills you've already had. Do you think that's a fair assessment? And, and how have you been able to find that extra yard, if, if you do agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, when I arrived at Sussex, I was probably averaging about 75, 76 miles an hour. I remember we had a T20 the first year here, and I think my top speed was sort of, I got clocked at 78 that year. Um, right. Three years, later, three years later, I played T20, and I think I got clocked at about 84. Um, right. So yeah, it's, I've definitely upped my pace a little bit, um, just from obviously getting fitter and stronger, and, and probably bowling more, I suppose, as well, getting a bit more bowling fit, as it were. Um, but the gym work that I've done and, and the fitness that I've done over the last probably two, three, four years now, it has definitely helped me increase my pace and and my skill and my skills as, as well. I've still been working on just as much. Um, but I think being obviously six foot five, six foot six is is actually is, is the main attribute of mine, and, and the extra pace just adds to that. Well, that's interesting. That kind of ties in quite nice with something else that Ben said that he was impressed by about you, which is how much you think about your game. And he was talking specifically, actually, about how much you study batsmen and work out their weaknesses. Is that something you kind of take pride in as, as a bowler? And is that something you've always done, or is that kind of developed over the last couple of years as well? No, I think that's something I've always done. I've, I've watched a lot of cricket from a very young age, um, and I think I've always been very interested in, in watching cricket and seeing sort of not just watching cricket but actually watching how a bowler goes about his business or how a batter's batting sort of thing um, I mean my parents call me call me a cricket badger right. um, just the amount of cricket that I watch and I'm, I'm always watching it on my phone or my TV if, if I'm not playing it so it's, I think it's, it's a bit from that um, but yeah I like to we've got our analyst at Sussex I like to get certain information on certain players before each game and it's something I do look closely at. Cause I always think if I've got half a, a sort of 
Yeah. It's, it's something that I looked at quite a lot before games. Um, and obviously from that, I'd then I think it helps me bowl from that as well because I, I work out how I'm going to get them out before I start bowling. And so there's a little bit of visualisation, I suppose, um, as well. Uh, going back a bit, for, for a lot of County Cricket fans, the first time they heard your name might well have been when you got let go by Yorkshire in 2014. How much do you think you've changed as a character and, and a cricketer since since then? Yeah, massively. Um, I, I think when I was at Yorkshire, I was, a, I was just a young 18-year-old lad who was trying to live both sides of the sword, really. Right. Um, I was trying to play professional cricket while travelling back to Kent and, and seeing my friends at, at the same time. And, it just didn't work. It just didn't work out. I think I was a long way from home and didn't really know anyone up north, um, and just a, just a bit of a tough time, really. But I think I don't think I'd change anything. I, I've, I'm pretty. I've been pretty happy moving back, to, uh, moving to Sussex, and and it's gone well for me. Um, but yeah, I've just I've just grown up a bit. I was a bit young, a bit naive, and and sort of that probably made me switch on a bit more and actually get my head in the game after I got sat in Yorkshire. Um, it's also quite quite a tough play. I mean, it's obviously famously quite a tough environment. I imagine it might be even tougher if you're the kind of southern teenager who, who comes up there in a fairly tight-knit change room. Was, was that a difficult aspect of it as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think most most people know what Yorkshire's like. They're quite, like you say, they're quite a close-knit group and they like they like everything to do with Yorkshire and not a lot, a lot, not a lot else sort of thing yeah. um, and obviously I was the young southerner coming up and trying to take someone else's place from Yorkshire I suppose and it just didn't quite work out really um, but I wouldn't, ch- I wouldn't change it just, just a shame it didn't work out yeah I mean, do you think we see uh, I mean there's obviously quite a bunch of them but we see other bowlers who have come through the age group England age group then the academy done it all at Loughborough quite quickly into the England setup. Do you think in some ways the fact that you haven't had it all your own way has is, is perhaps helped you uh, and might help you in the coming weeks and months as you get a proper cricket, test cricket? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's definitely made me tougher um, than maybe I might have been if it was handed to me to play. Um, I think I've had to work maybe double, sort of doubly as hard as, as someone else might have had to work because of that. Um, I think like any any work when you get sacked from any job you have to work a lot harder to get back in back in the game or back back in your job and I think that sort of happened to me and it's actually done me a, a, the world of good really um, so like you say it, hopefully it stands me in good stead and obviously my drive and and will to work is, is maybe a bit higher because of that and was there a clear the turning point was it simply you turn up at Sussex and things start to improve or was there a moment at Sussex where you really felt things started to to click into place um, it was probably the winter after I got sacked from Yorkshire uh, I've been to Hampshire and I think a couple of weeks after this trial for a game got injured on the first game and sort of I'd had enough really um, took I, I planned to take the whole winter off and, and not play any cricket at all right um, and after about six, eight weeks, I remember saying to, to my dad, sort of, feel like I'm, I'm missing it here and feel like I, I do still want to be a professional cricketer. And I think that short period away from the game and not being on any academy or any staff and for the first time probably in, in my cricket life, I'd never actually had any stability with any team. Um, I remember thinking, I, I, do, I do miss that. Right. I think from that, from that period on, I remember 
contract and I'm ready to ready to go again and obviously trail out of the counties. So that winter we we put up the indoor school in, in Kent and ran it twice a week, three times a week and I battled battle against the machine and, and just trained on my own really for a few months. But I think that sort of that period where I wasn't playing cricket for anyone or not connected to any counties was probably the turning point when I realised that I still wanted to be a professional cricketer. So on England's team, the suggestion is they'll go with four bowlers rather than five as they have recently. And given that Root and Lawrence will be in the top six, they might well go in without Jack Leach. Taha, are mm. you comfortable with that? Um, so a couple of days ago, we picked out teams for a piece on wisdom.com. Um, and I've got Jack Leach in that. Um, I think... You were the only one to have Jack Leach, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm always... It, I mean, the sun's kind of come out. That, mm. I was writing that as the sun was out. Um, that figured in my thinking a bit but also I saw him bowl at Lords uh, early last month it was the first game of the season uh, Somerset pulled off a pretty special win over Middlesex um, and he bowled beautifully in a third innings where it was freezing um, 3 for 18 10 overs something like that um, and you know I still think he's got a part to play I'm always in the favour of having a spinner in your team a frontline spinner obviously there's Lawrence and Root um, who can do a job there too? But I, I still want that, and I still want, I just want variety in the attack. I don't really want to seeing them going with Anson Broad over to Nan Robinson, something like that. I want a spinner, and then I want you know. So I, I went for Stone in that team uh, just because I thought he bowled beautifully in, in in India, and he's from what I've seen on county streams, albeit um, he's looked you know that level again. So so you, you're a player spinner pretty much at all costs. Yeah. So, so you're you're in with three three quicks and and the spinner. Mm. It's a it's a real real tough one. Yeah, I, I I mean I hate I hate leaving out a spin bowler. And you said we're looking like we might be getting four or five days of, of glorious weather coming up as well. So it's incredibly dangerous. In which case, you know, you you probably left out a batsman, haven't you? You can say to Br- to Bracey bat six. That's the end of Dan Lawrence. Mm. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bracey bat six. You play Overton. Um, yeah. a, a position too high and you, and you make up the rest of it there I mean I, I said if, if it was going to be like a, a four man attack you thought it was going to be a three and a half day game then I was going to pick over, I would have picked Overton over over Robinson because Anderson and Broad are Robinson times ten um, and then pick Stone as the as the quick so you know I'm kind of on, on, on your page there as well but I think in order to get Leach in I've left a batter out Hmm. Do, do, do you buy into the idea that Leach has somehow earned his place and needs to kind of play as, as much as for the challenges ahead and for betting into the team? Because he, he was, you know, one of England's best players over the winter for what that's worth. I mean, it was root and then quite a big gap, but he still emerged with credit from that tour. Do you think it's a backward step to leave him out or is that, is it fair enough? No, I wouldn't say it's a backward step particularly. I just think you pick, pick the best 11 for that particular situation. Um, Stokes is training... Up in Durham, he's hitting balls, he's running in. Uh, you know, we don't need to go down the vagaries of the selection at the moment, but come the big stuff, uh, Stokes will be back at five or six, and then it opens it up, and then you, you naturally play a spinner and three three out and out, Seamers and Stokes as your fourth, and that's, that's that. Uh, Stokes opens up this whole team. It's higgledy-piggledy however you look at it without him. Yeah, sure. Uh, in, in, in other team news, uh, Stuart Broad will be vice-captain in Ben Stokes' absence. Makes quite mm. a change from the first test of last summer when he was uh, dumped unceremoniously. And uh, James Bracey has confirmed that he will keep 
Wes Spearman has asked, why is Bracey batting out of position at seven instead of opening or batting at three? Is it right that England bat him out of position on debut? I don't think tomorrow morning he's going to be especially grumpy that he's not batting first drop (laughs) when he's presented with his cap by whoever it may be tomorrow morning. Um, He'll just be stunned, thrilled, probably mildly terrified, exhilarated by the whole lot. And, And, I mean, purely from a cricketing perspective... Uh, obviously, I, we don't know how he's feeling privately, but if you if you are asked to bat top three for England and to do it for the first time in your life, that's a big ask against the number one side in the world with a really good seam attack, or one of the number one sides in the world. Um, to come in there at seven, the pressure might be off with the bat in and of itself, so possibly it's it's not a bad result for him personally to come in at seven. Uh, certainly, I mean, there was no chance of him batting anywhere else and keeping wicket. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll just be thrilled to, to be there and maybe the pressure will be slightly off and he, he can come out and maybe express himself a little bit more for having the gloves to as a sort of side issue to hide behind somewhat. But even if England, England bowl first, you know, he's just going to go out there and, you know, that first over as Anderson's running in from the pavilion end. I mean, what a moment. What a moment for the kid. He's come out from nowhere and... They like him. I can see why. It's a bit of a punt to be bringing him in at this point in his career, but what a moment. Great luck to him. He's got the technique for the second new ball. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Very true. He's a much-needed lefty in that team, by the way. You know, so you have, obviously, you have Burns up top. Then after that, it's just a sea of right-handers and then, and then Bracey at seven. If he'd been picked with the, without the gloves in mind at all, you know, and, and then, you know, pictures of number three batter... And then batting at number seven, you'd say, well, that was, you know, well, what the hell have you done that for? You know, why didn't you pick somebody who bats mm. at number seven? But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is he's playing as an all-rounder. He's playing as a wicketkeeper. Yep. But no, I mean, he's going to be so thrilled to be playing. It looked, you know, there's, there's a lot of, lot of things have gone his way in order for him to get the, to get the gig. And now he just needs to go out and enjoy it and, and make the very most of it. Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, it, in a way, <laughs> I see why the question's been asked. Because England have form for this slightly in terms of they've picked players and sort of, Mold them into the position, but he's never. Ever, but you're not going to pick. You're not going to pick somebody to bat at number three and keep wicket. In no, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that's what's happened in this instance. But I can see why you might look at. You know, like liking did with Ollie Pope. So in the pitching to bat at four, when he'd never done that before, or Joe Denley batting at three, four, and opening like, uh, and just moving him around. They they do have a habit of moving players around. I'm not saying that's what happened in this situation. But no, I can see well, why it clearly isn't what's happened in this situation. On to New Zealand, and Kane Williams announced in his pre-match press conference that Devon Conway will be making his test debut, likely opening the batting with Tom Latham. Taha, tell us a bit about him. Yeah, I mean, with Devon Conway, it's, it's all about the numbers, if you look at... So he, so he qualified to play for New Zealand last August. He's originally from South Africa, came over in 2017 to New Zealand. Um, so made his debut this, you know, the last New Zealand summer. Played three ODIs, averages 75... Um, you know, that's three ODIs, but then 11 T, 20 I innings, average just on the 60. Uh, so Test Cricket's sort of just the natural progression for him now. And then he's been phenomenal in domestic, well, domestic cricket in general, but Red Bull cricket as well. He averages like six, averages 66.25 for Wellington after 22, after 22 first-class games. So he's, he's kind of New Zealand's shiny new toy right now. Um, and what a time to sort of get into that team because it's a team that's, you know, we've seen it over the last year. It's a te- it's a perfect team to come into if you're a new guy. The way Jameson's come in, you're he's learning under Bolt, Sally, Wagner, the the best the best has been, and with with Conway, he'll go into 
like you know a New Zealand team that was number one in the world at the start of this year. As you say, I mean, I've seen a bit of him in in pajama cricket, and he's box office. Um, New Zealand have often been very good cricket teams, and they've often been quite watchable teams, but they've not been edge of your seat cricket teams. But if he, if they can bring if they've found one here and a top order bat to boot. And they can bring him in and you have Jameson, who's a bit of a phenomenon. You know, he's seven foot plenty and all of that. And devastating to, to face, you'd imagine. And then, of course, you have these pedigree new ball bowlers, albeit Bolt isn't playing tomorrow. Um, then, of course, you're the genius at three in Williamson. So that suddenly becomes a team not only that is good and, you know, punches above its weight and all of those cliches that attach themselves to New Zealand, but also a team that you want to you get down and watch, you know. Yeah. And I feel like that. I don't think New Zealand have had this kind of selection debate in the past. You know, mm. it's like usually they're a team trying to sort of fill out that eleven. And so Conway, in another era, you know, he qualified last August. He could have technically, I guess, played Test cricket, you know, already. Um, but just the state of that team already, it's like mm. he's he's had to bide his time, and now now could be the chance. It's not even a nail on certainty, you know. Yeah, that, that's what the other section debates are pretty much. So they've got choice between Colin de Grandholm or Daryl Mitchell for the around spot. I don't know if you've seen Colin's uh, mullet, but go and go and check out if you haven't. Uh, but he didn't play with the wind. He was injured. And uh, Daryl Mitchell, state to claim, got 100. So, mm-hmm. interesting. And then the, they also have a question over, do they play a spinner? I guess Mitch Santner is there. It's probably their first choice. And I guess he's a left armer. So, with all those right-handers, that mm-hmm. could bring him into the game, I guess. Yeah, possibly. Uh, and Trent Bolt is unavailable. But they've got Matt Henry ready to step in and already those three other seamers so mm-hmm. uh, finally let's do some predictions Phil it's a uh, 2-0 for me 1-1 uh, yeah. well always a you know, two tester with England New Zealand always 1-1 one, 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 yeah. um, actually you know what th- yesterday or this morning it might have been 12 years ago I retired now for the first time I had a little twinge of oh you know what next session day before test match quite fancy that today just nice day. Who are you, Mark? Nice I thought I knew you reasonably nice well. Nice day. No, I just uh, just had that sort of you know remembering. Is that because you were at Legoland today? Remembering so. what they, I think that's probably what it was. Yeah, remembering what that what those what the morning before point. a test match at Lords was like. It was always quite. I always enjoyed that the build up to those. Yeah. Um, ha- so hang on, where were we? Predictions. I honestly don't know. I'm going to go for a one-one as well. I mean, England don't. England tend not to lose at home, no matter what they're kind of doing with their team and their, whatever problems are going on. They're really testing the theory. But they yeah. are gonna, they're testing the theory, but you know, you know, the whole however many rounds we've had, seven, eight rounds of, of county championship cricket, guys are kind of in tune. New Zealand have been looking at hotel rooms in quarantine for God knows how long. So, mm. um, you know, it's gonna, it might, it might be difficult for them to come flying out the blocks in this first test. You, um, you said two 0 but you didn't say. I said New Zealand, yeah. Oh, New Zealand, two 0 he, he always bets against England. Okay. He's a hipster. He always yeah. bets against England. Well, I'm going one-one. <laughs> Lovely. Did they announce the World Test champs that, in the event of a draw, the championship will be shared? Yes. Which were we coming to this later? Or uh, I was going to mention it. We weren't going to discuss it, but okay. it feels like it essentially guarantees that New Zealand will dominate the game. No, ba- uh, no boundary count. Smash the boundary count and uh, yeah. still end up with a shared title. <laughs> as, uh, exactly. That's what I was thinking. The World sure. Test Championship final and the Bob Willis Trophy final should be timeless. Is that that's there we go? Essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. Six days. If you can't there get a result no in draw. six days, no one deserves to. Yeah. Win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throw, a re- throw a rest day in. A barbecue. Yeah, Not a barbecue at Beefies. Yeah, let's have a whole week. 
I like the idea of not sharing the trophy, but saying neither of you deserve to win this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go sure. away. No have a good think about your actions. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, so on, on to county cricket, and it's been another uh, cracking round of fixtures. There were three games that went deep into the final session, and we'll start with Taha's moment of the week. Yeah, it was um, Sarkid Mahmood um, mm. bowling Lancashire to victory. I was quite shocked today to see that... Um, so he he picked up five for in the in the final innings. It was like a sort of last gasp, gasp type of win, um, and uh, it was his first first class five which was a bit of a surprise because he's, you know, he was he wasn't far off playing Test cricket a couple of years ago. He was in the squad for the New, the New Zealand tour, um, and he's almost sort of, I guess, not fallen off the radar. I think you know he's been in squads over the last year or two, um, played a handful of one day games, but he's not you know he's not in the Archer. Wood stone category right now. He's not, you know, he's not one of the first class titans like Overton and um, and Robinson. Um, but he's he's a heck of a bowler, and I'd almost sort of forgotten about him in a in a way. But he's, you know, he's had a pretty good twenty twenty one so far. Actually, leading wicket taker in the PSL before that got canned. He's done sort of quietly well, um, you know, for Lancashire right now until this weekend where he sort of, you know, he was on the TV, he's on Sky. And then you get the the real good look at him, and he was bowling, you know, proper fire. And you know, a couple of a couple of the weeks have got clipped up from social media, and he's and he and he um he you know he dips one into to Will Frayne, sends the stump, you know, dancing, and then a few minutes later, two, two hours later, Steve Patterson gets one that you know moves away from him, and takes off stump out, and um, yeah, a nice reminder that he's a heck of a bowler, and then. By the end of the day, you know, him and Parkinson were going at it. Um, and I know you guys talk about Parkinson a lot, but I'm not always on this show, so I'll talk about him now. Um, <laughs> he was, he was, you know, he's proper. Like, he's got, you know, he's ripping it. He looks like he's got the consistency too. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, I'm sometimes worried about talking up, talking up guys, but there's a reason those two were on, on the mag, you know, was on the front cover of Wisdom Creek Monthly, you know, a year and a half ago. They're, they're two proper talents. Yeah. Uh, I did those interviews. Mahmood in particular, really, really smart, sort of cerebral kind of cricketer, thinks deeply about his bowling. Technically brilliant. Gets Got a bit of reverse on the final day there as well at Old Trafford. He's already a really good one-day bowler, a good white ball bowler, and England like him, and he's made, made his debut, I think, in both forms for England in white ball cricket. Um, as you say, he's got a few to jump over in Red Bull cricket, but um, we don't have to talk about people in those terms. You know, just taking the new ball for Lancashire, who are now top of their group. Yeah, that's true. I backed them at the start of the season. Yeah. Only unbeaten in the country still. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think sort of four, four, three or four wins from seven and so on. Um, and it was apt that the two of them saw it off. You know, obviously a huge game, both teams at the top as well. Um, and with the extra points for a draw now, it was it had a lot riding on that final day. For Parkinson to be there at the end uh, as well, alongside Mahmood, you know, appropriate that those two saw it off. I also gathered that Bumble put Parkinson in his all-time Lancashire 11. Or at least of the last 50 or a bit right. more years, yeah. Right. It was from the time Good that Bumble him. started playing, wasn't it? So it was 65, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's big props. You know, and I, I know Bumble you know, fancies it sometimes, but, you know, he wouldn't have done that without due consideration, you yeah. know. Over Flat Jack Simmons? Flat Jack, yeah. of course, yeah. 
Um, no, it's, it's really, really good to see. Look, let's just leave the Parkinson story to one side because we all get far too carried away with it, you know. But, but yeah, fair play to Lanks. They're looking like a really good side. And we, and we don't want to talk about the Mahmood England question, the test question. I mean, because it was, it was proper reverse swing, which is something that is valuable. It's just possibly. so many. Yeah. So many, so many to overcome. And England like to, to silo cricketers, I think. You know, he will play a lot or certainly will play more for England in white ball cricket. Red Bull still takes a bit of a leap of faith, I think. He's, he's not absolute exocet Markwood pace, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have the frame and the height, the trajectory of a, the other lads that you've mentioned, you know, Robinson, Stone, etc. So he's somewhere in between. But in white ball cricket, if you can get it going as well a little bit in those middle overs, and he does have that very quick arm, then there's a career there for him, definitely. Yeah. There are going to be two very large vacancies at some point True. within the next two years, maybe maybe short of time period than that. True, what, true. What so so very that. handy to have somebody who has that sort of skill because, you know, often we're talking about players with pace or players that can bat a bit or players can do a bit of this and the other. There aren't as many guys knocking around who have the skill that somebody like Ollie Robinson looks to have. Um, I'm not sure what his, away sw- his, um, sorry, his reverse swing credentials are, which Saki obviously has, and I've seen him do that in, in white ball cricket the last three or four years. Yep. So there is another guy with another set of, uh, who's highly skillful, but they're in a different way to, to somebody like Ollie Robinson. And, you know, the, the two boys can't go on forever. So um, yep. more power to him. Yep, fair point. I mean, he's a slightly different bowler to anyone else England have, right? He's more of a, a slingy guy. You know, and the, the, the more somebody get, yeah. that you would want in, you know, playing in Pakistan or playing with a kookaburra ball in, yeah. in Australia or something like that. He's not. He's not going to be running in and making the ball jag sideways. Um, you know, as the as the guys who have, have who have so much enjoyed bowling pre early season here do. So, yeah. you're absolutely right. Do something different. He might <laughs> he might end up with the uh, the uh, the Dean Headley distinction of, of sort of being first name on the team sheet when it's flat as all hell and mm. 50 degrees in Adelaide. But being left out on the green nibbly ones, you know. But you know, you need you need bowlers who can do all these yeah. things. Just just a brief thing on him. I just remembered from the interview that I did. He's the first bowler that I've ever heard say that he has a different action for red ball and white ball cricket. I don't know you might have heard that mark from certain bowlers, but to me it was it was news. And it different run up too, right? A step longer. D- different different run up, half a step longer, uh, resulting in a longer delivery stride. And his belief was that with red ball cricket, where he's trying to hold the line and get a little bit of a way swing a shorter delivery stride keeps better control in his action and the, the wrist, therefore, is in a better position to keep that line, that sort of fourth, fifth stump, off stump line. Whereas in white ball cricket, when he's trying to hit the pads, he's trying to get a bit of reverse, he believes that a longer stretch just changes the trajectory of his arm, trajectory of that it's, angle. It gets a little lower, bit. yeah. Yeah, arm it gets, gets lower, lower, therefore a bit more... it going in. As, yeah. you know, well, Wacker used to do exactly that. It was, it, so he had a different... The, the, older, the, the older the ball got, the lower his arm would get, you know, he'd try and get over the top, yeah. try and get a bit of outswing going with the, the new ball, then with the old ball, he'd just get, he'd get longer and lower. Yeah. Nasty. Um, and make it, make it knock your toes off. Just, just, he came up with that himself. This wasn't a coach idea. It was trial and error from the lad himself. You know, just a little glimpse into how he goes about his cricket. You know, he's an impressive and interesting kid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that was a great performance from Lancashire, as mentioned. Uh, there were runs from Keaton Jennings and Josh Bohannon, who now averages 46 in first-class cricket, which is pretty good going. Tom Bailey took three for six in 14 overs in the first innings, which is also pretty good going. 
And uh, Danny Lamb made 61 on the same day as his sister Emma was making 100 in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. They're brother we'll and sister. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm. The Lambs. Uh, elsewhere, Surrey beat Gloucestershire by an innings. Hashim Amla standing as captain made a big 100. Dan Moriarty claimed his fourth first-class five-wicket haul, which, considering he's only bowled in six first-class innings, is pretty good going. And, Have you uh, seen much of him, Mark? Moriarty? Only in, again, only really in white ball cricket, but he's spoken very highly of They like him here. here. Yeah, I mean, he took eight, eight wickets in the match and Verdi took seven. Yeah. And, um, and that squeezed group two quite nicely, although I think Surrey have got to have played an extra, extra game. Yeah. yeah, but I think if they win all of their remaining no, games, no, then indeed, they're absolutely. well in the mix. So that's kind of that's squeezed that one out. I mean, the only one, the only one that that is a runaway at the moment is Lanks, isn't it? On the top mm. of um, what is that? Are they group three now. I can't get. I can't remember which way round it is. But but group two, Somerset, Gloucester, Surrey, very very tight. Mm-hmm. And the 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 Warwickshire, Nottinghamshire, who's who's top of that one? Well, Essex are top, but they played Essex one game more. Is is tight as you like and as you say yeah Essex have only got two games left so the other two are breathing right down their neck so I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to a, a ripe old finish which, yep. is, which yeah. is very nice it's great mm. I don't know if you saw but Will Jacks absolutely ragged one in that game for his maiden first class wicket I think it, it, it was Parkinson-esque which I think we we're allowed to say <laughs> <laughs> uh, but not Warnest. yes as well I think yeah uh, it's yeah, a, I saw that drift as well. Drift away from the right-hander yeah. and then then turned on a on a dime. Yeah, left it and it took it off stump. Yeah, it's quite nice to see a like sort of almost an old-fashioned style bat for absolutely ages and then spin them out kind of game. It feels like mm. that's the kind of win that Sorry would have got quite a lot in your day, but that was the way we used to try and do it. Yeah, um, um, but again, you know, you get a quick change in the weather and the conditions change again. Again, again, sort of one of the beauties of of county cricket in England. If if you manage to play, I mean, we, this is, we're going right the way back to my first pod, I think. But again, if you manage to play between all the championship cricket all the way from from late April all the way till late September, you're going to get these wild changes of of conditions. And those that you know, and that for me is the is the best the best teaching ground really um, that there ever was. You know, why do you think so many apart from the, apart from it being the Northern Hemisphere summer and, no, and and people being able to earn some money, but people would flock here to come and finish off their cricketing knowledge. Um, and it's one of the dangers about having the you know the, the the four day championship season squeezed into into two blocks, one at the beginning, one at the end. You don't get that natural sort of change in conditions to when when, when that happens. So it's good. It's good to see games being won in different ways like that. Absolutely. Uh, a few other results. North Ants beat Sussex by seven wickets. Ben Sarnson claimed yet another Fifer. We should beat Derbyshire by an innings with Dylan Pennington claiming nine wickets. Did he? I yeah. didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I, I like him, Pennington. Mm. Tall, good under 19s bowler at the time. Yeah. Kind of lost his way a tiny bit, but I saw him bowl at the start of the summer at Chelmsford, and he looked like he had a bit of rhythm, rhythm back. Yeah, he's another one. You know, got a lot about him. Good 19th century name as well. Matt. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. And okay. uh, Warwickshire overcame Notts' resistance late in the final day with uh, Michael Burgess taking an excellent legside stumping off, uh, off the seamer, Oliver Handalby, which was good. Uh, Phil, your moment of the week. Well, from that group, um, as Butch says, I mean, it's wide open in, in the, the Notts, Warwickshire, Essex group and Durham as well, right in the mix. And Essex went up to Durham and, and um, misfired again with the bat in the first innings, but they were saved by this lad, Michael Pepper, who I've heard quite a lot about in the second team. He captains the twos at Essex. He played three first-class games for a higher score of about 22 before that spread over the last four years. He's a youngish lad. And he came in at four, replacing Lawrence, 
Essex were two for nothing pretty much on overcast morning. Durham's excellent seam attack and he and he hit a really nice ninety odd and I think the next high score in the innings was twenty no, I've got it here actually, twenty eight was the next high score in the innings. Essex crept up to hundred and eighty and then they're seamers and they are formidable. Um with Sam Cook, who I mention it seems every week, he just doesn't bowl a bad ball. Then they rolled Durham first in his lead of 80-odd and were able to win the game in the end quite comfortably. But that was a real a six-pointer. If either team, if Essex had gone down, then their, their race would have been run, I think. Durham still have a bit to play with. Uh, uh, but yeah, th- that group is, is, is solidifying the quality of this particular system, I think, because four of the six, in fact, five of the six, because with Worcester winning, Worcester have won one game in seven, but they can still, with a strong run, they can even nick it, nick that final slot as well. The top two, of course, go from the six. There's only really Derbyshire who aren't really featuring in that group. Now, this is great. You know, we, we've cried out for context in four-day cricket and county championship for a long, long time, and now we have it. It's great. Yeah, and that's actually something you can only really test by playing through a season in a new format, I think. Like, you have no idea before you start out if there's going to be you know, loads of absolute thumpings and actually the top two emerge pretty early on then mm-hmm. it feels like a bit of a dud, but it's just utterly borne out the, the system that, you know, you've got, as you say, every group is so close. There's what, in group one, there's 13 points between first and fourth. Group two is the same. Uh, group three, you've got Lanks far and away, but then two points in Yorkshire and Northampton, mm. second and third. So, mm. And again, it's shown in the numbers. I saw Lancashire tweeted the, the streaming numbers for the Roses mm. game which were through the roof com- compared to all other years where they've been running the streams and, and earlier in the season as well. So the story is out there and people are starting to get behind it. You know, the death knell of four-day cricket uh, is, is, has been prematurely rung for many, many times and we're seeing it again here. Um, it's, it's arguably been more engagement in this year's competition than there has been in many, many years. Mm. Stream it and they will come. Indeed. <laughs> uh, but should we come to your moment of the week then? Well, I was I was gonna I was gonna go for um, Leicester turning over Middlesex, um, but I've decided against it because I've I've just just remembered that extraordinary 143 run partnership to win a match for Almby in the uh, Lincolnshire League between Harry um, and Aaron Brindle. Lovely. You know, lots of you know all those stories in, in club cricket and stuff about guys having a game with their old man and stuff. Yeah. You know, the father and son. I just had my kit in the boot and somebody didn't turn up and I got a game. But this is, a, you know, very similar, um, except for the fact that they, uh, they batted together, put on 143 <laughs> runs. And, and how many people can say they did that with their mum? Yeah, mm. beautiful. That's, that's pretty cool. That yeah, nice. that wins on the moment of the week competition. <laughs> Probably is a bit better than Marcus Harris making 180. <laughs> but I suppose we, we should talk about that a little bit, which was... Uh, whatever rocks your boat. It's just, just Middlesex uh, throwing it away again as that's kind of become their habit recently I mean it's I don't know sounds a bit harsh there and obviously Leicester did play well but they were setting 300 and plenty and uh, there's no team better at the moment at finding a way to lose from seemingly impregnable positions uh, yeah Mark Sash- uh, Colin Ackman also made 120 odd and they mm. were th- 300 for two I think on that game on that day is that right Taha? That, that Middlesex bowling tag was very young um, Bamba uh, Anderson I think Helm was the oldest and he's 27 and then the left arm spinner uh, Walawita and Luke Holman. I mean, very. That's a bit of bite, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean they're just having a. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is that their bowling's been the the strong point this season. Bamba's been their 
been their best bowler, and but it's just a batting that hasn't clicked. And it looked like it might have clicked here at the Oval last week against Surrey. Uh, Hanscom finally getting runs, Gubbins getting a ton, and it was like if they could, if they could maybe have pulled off the win there. That was like this is maybe a turning point, but they are just having a a bit of a stinker. I mean, I've been at Lords for quite a few there, pretty much all their home games this season, um, and it's just like you're just. Gubbins looks Gubbins looks a class apart, but you know he's had the the odd good score, but that that batting lineups is lacked, really lacking bite, and then and then you have the bowling lineup um, not not performing in the last game basically. So yeah, yeah, because because you've written before sort of about like looking kind of under the surface at what's been going on in Middlesex, what they should be, because it's been a, yeah. you know a poor few years, but it does you do at this point when it's been this long, you do kind of wonder if it is just a a personnel thing basically you look down that batting lineup and there's no one you'd count there as like a, a banker they're all like averaging low to mid thirties. and again it's, with the bowling it's been attack, a few it's years a, now hasn't yeah. it I mean that's why the sort of talk came up during the um, during the, the game here um, that that Gus and um, and Stewie Law are under are under big pressure you know mm. the, the natives are getting restless over there at Lords um, yeah. well how you know how much of that is their fault? I suppose you look at recruitment, you look at the player pathways, and who they're bringing on, etc. Um, but yeah, I mean there, there are there are some sort of rather rather angsty calls for one or both of them to to go. Yeah. Um, there was stuff off the pitch as well, wasn't there? You know, M- Milan left without too many Christmas cards, you know, and him and him and sort of Nick Compton beforehand to the back end of Nick Compton's time, they didn't get on and. They've lacked that kind of pivotal figure, I think, to, to tie the whole thing together. And when you give a county captaincy to a, to an Australian overseas player and not whisper it a pedigree Australian player, then then that is a big risk. That is a big, big risk. Mm. You know, we've seen better players than Peter Hanscom, with all due respect, struggling to make runs in the early part of English season. I mean, Pajara couldn't get a run when he played for Yorkshire a couple of years ago. Labashan, Labashane averaging next to nothing so far. So... Big ask, as Mark says, recruitment may be a question mark there, but yeah, it's tough times north of the, north of the river. Yeah, especially with Hanscom. I mean, if you, got, if you sign a, an overseas batsman and make him the captain immediately, what you're looking for is a guy who, you know, come his worst season, is still going to average maybe 40, right? Mm. Um, with Hanscom, you know, has, has a, has a, has, doesn't have a bad test record under him. He's played, you know, played test cricket for Australia, you know, and scored test centuries. But when he's actually played county cricket, it, he doesn't have a. Uh, he's played for Gloucester, Durham. Doesn't have a really uh, Yorkshire. I think you know he doesn't have a a record to really speak of in you know in glowing terms. And to to just give him the captaincy is, I think, it seems a big ask. And and he's you know he did he did bat well batted well last week. But I just don't see him being the guy who's going to average fifty year on. Year mm. I think it's a, it's a it's massive really tough ask indictment of a club the size of Middlesex. That they don't have anyone else. That you don't. That you're having to ship in a captain of, of that club. Yep. From overseas, whoever it is, actually. Um, yeah, I'm. You know, I mean, so, sorry, did it with Graham Smith. I mean, I remember. <laughs> I remember saying to Stewie, I said, "You're absolutely mad." Not because Graham Smith wouldn't have been a great captain and a great player, but because he looked like he was about three stone overweight, and. His ankle was knackered. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, it, it lasted you know, no more than a couple of weeks. I don't like. I mean, I just, I don't. I'm not, a, not a big fan of overseas captains anyway. Full mm-hmm. stop. But, um, mm-hmm. but anyway, there we go. Their problem. My my moment of the week was uh, from the Rachel Hare Flint Trophy, which got 
off to a, a blistering start on Saturday. Uh, Western Storm beating Thunder by one wicket off the last ball of the game. So literally as close as it can get. Shrub Sol hit six not out to help them recover from 200 for seven and 250 for nine, chasing 290. Uh, and the, the moment itself, when she hit the winning runs, was nice because it was a. Uh, I was in the old Trafford press box, thought I'd head up there to watch a Parkinson bowl and got a good 10 overs in. But for just a little bit, my attention was diverted to the YouTube stream of that game, as was basically everyone else in there, just gathered around a, a couple of laptops uh, to to see the the final moments, which was uh, which was nice. Yeah, well, look, the weather was good. Four, three of the four games were brilliant finishes, tight, tight finishes. Four, was it four hundreds made on the first first round of games as well, including Emma Lamb, as you mentioned. Um, so yeah, impressive stuff. And the thing is, you want a range of players making runs, making big runs, not just your usual suspects, you know, because you can kind of look through a scorecard and half expect Heather or Tammy Beaumont or Nat Siver to be making big runs. But when when it's the, the aspiring players as well, not just making 60s and 70s, but actually making proper significant hundreds, that is, that's promising, I think. Yeah, Sophia Dunkley in particular is a really good young player. She, she made 100. Amy Jones is obviously a part of the system, but she's constantly one of those names that you, you're, you're putting out there to have a defining year, to have a breakthrough season. And we've been saying that for probably a bit too long, really, about Amy Jones. But she's, she's hit 200s in two games, including 163, 160-something, mm-hmm. which I think is a record in the tournament. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good that you know, there are big scores out there and, and a range of people making them as well. Because you know? mm. this is what you need. You see it in Australian women's cricket. It's the depth of quality that England are having to aspire to. They're not there yet, but you know all right tiny sample size but these are these are good signs and it's and it gets the trophy gets the tournament up and running as well it probably needed that and as you say you know people are the eyeballs are, are on it um and it's a big year for women's cricket because last year was through no fault with their own a washout um so it's it's mm. good it's good to see yeah as you mentioned big run chases there aren't they yeah well. the, old, the, old the old shrubbery the getting the western storm over <laughs> the shrub the shrub 61 for 41 from her chasing 295 and Yep. Sarah Glenn as well. She's an interesting cricketer. I mean, the first proper leggy that yeah. English England women's women's side has had, mm. and they need that desperately. All the other good sides out there have got leggies, um, mm. and so to have her come through, good signs. Very yeah, good signs. four for four for twenty-one for Charlotte Taylor, who's uh, leading wicket taker last season. And the mystery spin of Charlotte Taylor. Yeah, well, I mean, she, she sort of drifts the ball away from the right right-hander. She told me she basically just bowls bowls arm balls, and she's going at under three runs and over from these first two games. And she's yeah, she's near the, you know, she's got the most wickets in the, the tournament's history right now. So. I, I used to I used to hate bowlers like that. The drift bowlers, you know, it just goes in the air. We had one at Cheam Cricket Club. It was absolute club legend. Mm. Played way beyond his fiftieth fiftieth year. David Morgan took over a thousand. Thousand first team wickets in the Surrey Championship. Just Absolute thought, oh, legend of a man. Drift on the winds. Yeah. 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 This lad, Mark Harm, a year above me, Billericke boy, hated facing him. Hated facing him. If you're out there, I hope you've stopped, Mark. <laughs> Terrible. So, just the, the details of that first Amy Jones 100. So, Central Parks were chasing 280 to beat the Diamonds. Uh, so, she made 100, but she got out and they were 196 for eight and looked out of the game. Uh, and then. Sarah Glenn uh, and number 10, Emily Arlett, hit her. Uh, Any relation? No. 
don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I did, I did, I, I'll, I'll find out, but I don't think so. Uh, they, they put an unbroken partnership to, uh, to seal the game and against a, a proper international class bowling attack. Uh, I, I spoke to Sarah Glenn, who was uh, one of the stars of that win. Let's start with, would it have been about 4pm on Saturday? You're a uh, 198 for eight and Emily Arlott joins you in the middle and uh, you need, what, 90 to win against an attack with five England bowlers in it? What, what are you two discussing at that point? Um, well, to be honest, looking at the kind of conditions and we needed, obviously, I think, eights and nines, um, it was looking pretty tough. So we just said to just play our positive options, um, just stay positive and not let kind of them knowing that international players like put you off from their best shot. Um, so we just kind of kept our plan simple and then all of a sudden we got the rate down. So we just then, again, just kept it simple. Yeah, and I, I noticed, uh, so it wasn't just the strike you were scoring, you, you scored six sixes and just put the one four. Is that is your is your power game something you've been like working on recently? Yeah, it's kind of, I think it's always kind of been in my game, but it's never really, I've kind of, I've worked really hard on it the last few months and I've just been really wanting to have the opportunity to put it into a game and I feel like I, I find that back to myself in a game, whereas before I might have shied away from it, so I feel like that's probably been an improvement in my game. Yeah, okay. And there was sort of that was part of a trend of high scores across the competition yeah. in general. Uh, what, what, what would you put that down to, do you think? I think I wouldn't put it down to like poor bowling or anything, but I think I feel like the mindset in batting has really changed to a lot more positive. Like, I feel like um, across the teams, everyone looks so much more calm and relaxed and understanding of their game, so they can just go out there and play with freedom. So, that was kind of the biggest change I've noticed. Yeah, and it. Um... It's, it wasn't just like often you get games with big scores and uh, they end up not being too close because one team gets loads and the other team doesn't have a chance whereas there were loads of really close games as well so it's just great been a great start to the tournament basically yeah definitely like looking at the scorecards across the across the first games was just amazing like there's so many high scores but also some top holding performances so I think to kind of start that off of the tournament was really good to see yeah and how's your mindset as a bowler had to change with sort of batters being more positive and that sort of thing yeah you've just got to I think it's just kind of learning how to bowl under pressure because you kind of know they're going to come hard at you and you might just bowl your best ball and it still goes for four so I think just kind of having that practice of like performing under pressure and just being clear with your plan is what's something I've had to kind of work on um, with this kind of uh, change mindset with the batters mm -hmm. and then just on Emily uh, I feel like it would have been only a few years ago that like a number 10 uncapped coming in and against that calibre of bowling hitting what, 24 of 18 would have been like completely unthinkable. Um, I guess firstly just how, how good was she out there? Oh she was absolutely amazing she kind of kept me calm as well so I knew it was kind of a tough chance to win but when we got closer like she kept me calm as well um, and yeah her batting's always been I think has been really good so I think the fact that she had that opportunity to come out there and, and show what she can do was amazing. I know how hard she's worked on her game, so I was just really proud of her. Mm. And she's one of these new pros. Yes. Uh, is that kind of already sort of showing, like, bearing fruit, do you think? Like, the, the, the extra winter practice that these guys have had, being able to do it full-time? Yeah, definitely. Up. I think, um, obviously, she's always, like, I think a lot of... Like a lot, I think all of us, we've always worked really hard as much as possible 
to get to that next level. Um, but I think it's more the fact that we've now got that opportunity to train more and to make that your priority. I think that's been obviously really helpful to M, but also all the other contracted players. Yeah, and then looking ahead to uh, to later this summer, first you've got a, a test match coming up, which I think could yes. be your first if, if selected. How, how exciting is that? Yes, very exciting. Um, we've done a bit of Red Bull practice, which I've not played for in a couple of years now. So. Um, yeah, it's been. It's just the fact that it's kind of a different format to what we normally play. Uh, it's really exciting that we've got some international cricket coming up. Yeah, and obviously it's often said that it's sort of like the pinnacle of the game. Is that, is that how you see it? Is that the one that you kind of were you growing up sort of watching Test cricket thinking this is the best thing, or is it just cricket overall? Yeah, I, I think that's a tough one for me because like my favourite format is T20, but I think. I think if you were to like win a test match, I think that means, I don't know, to me, I think that means so much more. I think because it truly is a test, I think, like psychologically, I think you're more drained after it. So the emotions, like, I feel like you have to work really hard in that. Not like you don't in the other formats, mm-hmm. but I feel like over time, like set, how quickly a game can change in a session as well, it still makes it an exciting game. Yeah, I think you see that in... It's a men's counter cricket as well. Like yeah. just the, when you see that, like the relief at the end of like four days of like hard work when that turned into a win, that must just be like such an amazing feeling, basically. Yeah, it just I, I agree. Like I think they just always look so kind of drained, psychologically drained, but they can also tell how like proud they are. Mm. And I think because in, in formats like T Twenty Fifty, like it can change within a couple of overs, which obviously just makes it exciting. But I think with Test cricket, the fact that it's played over so such a long period, it really tests your skills, your patience, and I think it's a true testament to like. Like how hard you've got to work for that. Yeah, isn't it? Is it? I mean, obviously, I haven't even played your first yet, but is it something that you'd want to be playing more of? Do you think? In the future? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I think just in general, like even if I'm not selected, like I'd love to just be playing more red ball cricket. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a different mindset. It's more of like an attacking option. I think as a bowler as well, um, looking to take wickets, and it's just a different kind of format to the game. And I think yeah, I'd love to be playing that more often. Cool. And then. Uh, Looking ahead after that, then would be to the uh, to the hundred, and the first game is going to be here at the Oval. Yes. Um, uh, just, then, I guess it's a it's a, it will be a landmark step for women's cricket that the first game will be a, a women's game. That will be where all the eyes will be, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what's making this competition so exciting. The fact that the women are kind of kickstarting kick it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think hopefully that will inspire a lot of young girls, kind of show how important we are to the game, and that you know, hopefully it just inspires them to pick up a bat as well. Cool. And you can head to the uh, thehundred.com to get tickets for that one. Uh, and finally, the T20 Blast starts next Monday and with it, the Cricket Draft powered by Wisdom. Oh, yes. An all new free-to-play fancy game in partnership with the PCA. Prizes are supplied by New Balance and there are benefits to signing up as a cricket club as well as as an individual. Head to fantasy.wisdom.com to play now. Have, have, have any of you checked out Made a Team yet? I've, I've checked out the, the, the draft of the draft, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, the soft launch thing. Checked it out. Um, you know I'm the first to criticise you, Ben, but <laughs> yeah. I thought it was absolutely great, genuinely great. Um, and uh, it deserves to be signed up by everyone who, who could give a toss about cricket out I there. I missed out on the rollout. Then. Yeah. It's the first time hearing of this. I got goosebumps when I saw my name and then director of cricket underneath it. Yeah, it's so good. It's a lovely yeah. touch, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's nice. I can't yeah. believe you didn't ask for my consultation in something that I'm, <laughs> I'm bound to be playing every week. Yeah. And what? So, so what do you need to do just to reiterate? Yeah, just go to fantasy.wisdom.com to, to check that out. Um, it's, yeah, as I say, free to play, which is a good thing. And there are prizes. So, Do we have a cutoff point? Well, you've got to get your team in? No, no, you can, so you can, you can join even if the competition has already started. And there are, you know, like if you've played the fancy Premier League game, uh, there are sort of game week leagues. So if you miss the first league, then you can compare yourself to the, 
teams to, to the people who signed up for week two. You can create private leagues or public leagues. Uh, so as, when you join up, you'll be put into a league with other people from your cricket club as mm-hmm. well as from the county you support. Uh, what other users are to get in there? Oh, the, the, the one little uh, twist, I suppose, is that the uh, the trick is in squad management rather than picking a best first eleven. So you can pick a squad of at least 15 but as many as you like beyond that inside your budget so you can pick lots of players if you want to have lots of sort of rest and rotation as is the uh is the fashion these days or you right. can just pick a, a very high quality 15. Elsewhere in the world of cricket this week Sri Lanka won the third ODI against Bangladesh which means they are finally on the board in the Cricket World Cup Super League having been on negative points for most of the tournament so far. Bangladesh already won the series but remember there are no dead rubbers. Uh, Ireland women beat Scotland in a closely 40-20i series 3-1. That was their return to national cricket. Afghanistan captain Ascot Afghan has been sacked as test skipper shortly after being reinstated to the role. Uh, He was previously test captain in their inaugural test and then was dropped and was now reselected as captain has been dropped again to pick the bones out of that one. Uh, In his most recent game, he became Afghanistan's first ever test double centurion as they handily beat Zimbabwe. So... Try and uh, make the most of that decision. That, that's all for this week. Uh, thanks very much, Phil, Mark and Taha for joining me. If you did enjoy listening, please head to YouTube, maybe leave us a nice comment or maybe even leave us a nice five-star review on the podcast app. Cheers. Podcast Network.